With that, welcome to another edition of Team Turnbuckle. It is IB Sports Weekly Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Fleming. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ronald Tinsley. Ronald, how you doing? I'm doing great, Keith. How you doing today? Man, not bad. Uh, you know, the world we live in is still really weird, and that keeps trucking on, but I am actually very thankful for what wrestling is doing. It actually is providing, you know, new content. Uh, We're going to start the show talking about some of the unfortunate parts of the world of wrestling right now. But overall, I just, I mean, we couldn't even list all the things we wanted to go through on this podcast today in the last week. And we're actually doing discussions. We may end up moving to a two podcast schedule, at least for the time being, uh, obviously, me and Ronald have a little bit more time on our hands than normal right now, <laughs> and we were thinking we might break up the shows to where we do Raw and SmackDown on one, and then AEW and NXT on the other, and then obviously we would mix in wrestling news. It would also help us keep these podcasts not quite as long, because both me and Ronald, uh, we have the gift of gab, I guess is what you want to say. Yep, we do. But Absolutely. Uh huh. Before we get into this, I just want to first thank our sponsor, my bookie, uh, the promo code IV Sports. If you want to make a first time deposit on my bookie, you will get a bonus. I also want to again plug our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. It is IB Sports. Uh, it also has an all star premium membership. For a small amount, you can be a commissioner uh, for the day during the month. You have the ability to post without going through a queue, and uh, you also have the ability to mute, find other members in the group. It's uh, I became an all-star member, I guess, about three or four months ago. It was one of the best moves I ever made. Uh, so let's we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to start with some news going around in the world of wrestling, and then, like we did last week, we're going to go over Raw. Uh, AEW and SmackDown. I apologize. We will not get NXT this week. That is part of why we're discussing changing the format and going to two podcasts. But unfortunately, we need to start with the sad, but I I think we probably knew this was coming. In a lot of places in the world right now, there's a lot of people that are without work. Uh, WWE uh, had a ton of layoffs in the middle of the week. Me and Ron L. were texting back and forth because names just kept coming out. I'm just going to go through some of them that were let go. Rusev, Kurt Angle, Zack Ryder, Rowan, Gallows and Anderson, Sarah Logan, EC3, Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, Mike and Maria Kanellis, Heath Slater, Leo Rush. There's a bunch more. Uh, This also includes nine producers three coaches, two announcers, two refs, and two on-air talents. There was a separate report that came out showing that WWE didn't have to do this. They have almost half a billion cash on hand, uh, and they would still bring in, I think I saw $171 million without a dime from obviously you know the live shows, pay-per-views, basically ticket gates. 
And most people saw this as a move that Vince obviously just lost a lot of money with the XFL that filed for bankruptcy just a week earlier. And this move allowed them to pay dividends to their, their big stockholders. Obviously, Vince McMahon and the McMahon family is the biggest stockholder, so they receive the biggest. So I know this is a complicated issue. So let's just start with, are you surprised that they did this? Surprised in the cuts? Yes. Yes. Yes, I was. Um, un- unfortunately, I mean, yes, I-, I understand, you know, things in terms of business or whatever. And I honestly do not know if anything has anything to do with uh, the XFL or not or whatever the case may be or whether uh, it is a combination of, you know, losing money on the gates, you know, the merch sales, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just it's just sad all the way around, you know. There's a bunch of talent in there, you know. None that I've I've particularly lauded, but you know, I just feel that you know this is just kind of unfair. Um, cats like EC3, who had a lot of momentum coming out of NXT, highly underutilized. It's like you know, uh, there's a bunch of those guys that really could have been pushed better. Um, honestly, I even think Gallows and Anderson um, were grossly mishandled. They could have given those guys a, a little more um, in terms of title recognition. But, you know, it's just, you know, sad all the way around and really unfortunate. And, you know, I, I wish the best for them, uh, for all those released in, in finding new work, even though I know it'll be difficult. I know wrestling is a business, so from that standpoint, I understand this. I, I know people personally right now that unfortunately have lost their jobs because places are not open, and obviously the cash flow, the money coming in is not as much. But I'm, like, really disappointed in WWE. They have been still working their employees up until this point. You have several of the people who were cut who had to perform in the last week. I mean, I look at somebody like Sarah Logan who – had the qualifier yeah. on Monday Night Raw, uh, had, you know, basically her arm broken. And they're just going to leave it at that. Why bring, you know, those people even in? Because I just can't believe that was a decision that they made, you know, within just a few days. This is something that was coming probably the minute that they stopped doing live shows. And it's just, again, it's, it's disappointing. I, I do understand it. I'm sure the XFL did play a part, and, you know, rich people get their money from, uh, you know, being cheap. And it did not really surprise me when I read that they have all this cash on hand, and it was more about, honestly, stuffing Vince's pockets. I mean, obviously, it wasn't just that, and it's more complicated because I know their stocks went way up uh, after that. That probably played a role. You know, I'm not a business major or expert or anything like that, so I'm not trying to claim, but it is disappointing in this environment that they were putting the performers, let's let's be honest, at risk, and then, you know, they're going to cut all of them. And the, the other thing, just that I, I agree with you, some of the guys that they didn't utilize, I, I look at guys like, you know, Rusev and Leo Rush, who they did mm. utilize, got over, and then they just kind of left them out to dry. Uh, and I feel like it's their fault, you know, that those guys did not get over. Um, and just the only other thing I want to say on this is if it's somebody you really enjoyed 
and I'm talking about the smaller guys, because guys like Gallows and Anderson, even Rusev, they, they've been in WWE long enough. They've had big feuds. I'm sure they've sold a lot of T-shirts. They're fine. I mean, I, I read Gallows and Anderson are made men. You know, they, they made a bunch of money over mm. this last four or five-year run, and they're, they're not going to have any hard time finding bookings. Neither is Rusev. You get the guys like Drake Maverick, uh, you know, Kurt Hawkins, EC3, Sarah Logan. Go buy their T-shirts. They still get revenue from any of their merchandise sold on WWE. They get royalties. So if you want to help them, that's the best thing you can do at this time. Uh, the only other news that came out this week, and I got to admit, I'm really intrigued. It first broke that the Money in the Bank match this year was going to be at WWE headquarters. And I was thinking, what in the world is going on? Well, they announced this week, both the guys and girls will start on the first floor of the headquarters, and literally it is a mad dash to the roof where there is a ring and the Money in the Bank briefcase hanging from, this, I guess, a scaffold, the sky. Call me, in, like, seriously intrigued. Are, are you excited about this? I'm still swishing this back and forth in my mouth, in my mouth like, you know, uh, a bite of food, and I'm still. <laughs> right. want, it, it, it's like an interesting that it looked good on the menu, but now that I'm taking my first bite, I'm not quite sure if I'm regretting taking it. I'm going back and forth because on one hand it was like I saw it in like I was in the middle of you know watching a program, so uh, I tend to fast forward because I watch it on a delay most times. And then I reread it, read the post, and then I'm like, wait, hold on. What? <laughs> what? What? And, and I see the possibility that it, it could, they could be good, and considering that um, the, the state of wrestling right now and the fact that they have to um, try to give us a little more with the lack of an audience, it, it, there's a chance that, you know, they can play some storylines uh, as to what happens in the hallways and such. So I, I'm kind of, I'm not excited yet, but my mind's kind of wrapping around that they could turn this into a pretty decent production. So um, I, I don't, like I said, not, not really excited, but intrigued. All right. Well, let, let your co-host make you feel a lot better about this. I'm going to try to talk you into this because I've thought about it a lot. It's different. They're, they're taking a risk, which is something that I want wrestling to do right now. I think it's very important that they have, uh, I don't even want to call it an opportunity, but in this environment, they're going to be able to take some chances because it's definitely not your normal wrestling. It's just not. We look at the Boneyard match, which, again, I was not crazy about, but a lot of people were. And, and the production value was good in it. And then the Cena-White match, the, the Firefly match, I loved. So I think that they're starting to figure this out. And I believe that this is going to allow them to still have a lot of wrestling. Because a lot of people, or at least most of the complaints I heard about both of the matches from Mania, well, they weren't really wrestling. I mean, I, I know the Taker-Styles match was more, but obviously the White-Cena was not. They're going to be able to do both a lot of cool different stuff as they try to get up to the top floor. But I really do believe once it gets to the top floor, it's going to become an actual match. Because from my understanding, they're going to have a ring there. 
And you can't tell me the visual is not going to be amazing of these guys jumping off ladders and the top rope and stuff. And, I mean, they're literally, you know, on the top of the world, especially for Connecticut. I'm sure that that's probably one of the taller buildings in Connecticut, other than something maybe at the ESPN Center. And I just – I'm starting to get a little bit more trust for WWE, and I'm glad that, again, they're thinking out of the box and doing something different. So I'm going to say I'm excited about it, and I think they can pull it off. I do understand your hesitation, but I I really am. I'm kind of pumped to see this. And with the people that they have right now qualifying, which we'll get into in a minute, it looks like they're going to have some really good money in the bank participants. Yes, um, as we get to that, seeing the competitors that they got lined up for it, that part I'm not afraid of. So taking what you said into consideration, they could turn this into something. I'm still still kind of digesting it. Nothing wrong with that. So we're going to move on to Monday Night Raw. We'll start with Nia Jax, Asuka, and Shayna Baszler all qualified for the Women's Money in the Bank match for Raw. Uh, there's two things I want to ask you here. The first is, of those three, who do you think has the best chance of winning? But before you answer that, what was up with the Shayna Baszler match? Did you understand why they did it that way? For those that didn't watch, she basically stomped on Sarah Logan's elbow. They made it appear that she broke it. The referee originally it looked like disqualified Shayna. The announcers were, while this was going on, saying, this doesn't seem right. That What did she do? It, sh- it should have been a victory the other way around. And then they eventually announced that Shayna did win uh, because Sarah couldn't compete. So do you know what they were trying to do with that match? And then, like I said, after that, go ahead and tell me which of those three do you think has the best chance of winning the women's money in the bank match? I have no idea what it was that they were trying to do. Um, quite honestly, to me, um, it looked, it seemed to me that the announcer simply just made the wrong call because okay. um, that, that, that wasn't an illegal move that she did. I mean, that's one that um, my man, the Burzerweight, uses, uh, Pete Dunn, all the time. So it's not like that's an illegal move or anything of that nature. So I really think it was a wrong call. And that's what it kind of threw me off for a second, too, because with Shayna storming off, being ticked off like that, you didn't know if it was because of the decision or if it's because she's just kind of on that kind of, you know, she's in in that space because of her loss. I'm thinking that it's the latter and I honestly think it was just a, a botched call by the announcer. That shows, and that was the one thing I forgot to mention in the wrestling news updates. It was announced this week that WWE will go back to doing more tape segments, which, I mean, thank God, just because you don't have to have as many uh, of the mm. uh, athletes, performers at the same place at the same time. This was all about their contracts with Fox and NBC. Apparently, if they didn't do a certain amount of live shows per year, they could void the contract. And with some of the ratings right now, particularly on SmackDown and what Fox paid, there was a feeling that Fox may 
use that as an opportunity to basically get out of their contract. Apparently, they worked that out. They're going to go to more tape segments, and that would eliminate these kind of mistakes because it's like if you're not going to have that crowd there to sort of help push the product along, and, and the fans are every bit an equal part as the performers, you better make sure you get it right because I just I did not understand mm. that, but that makes sense. So all three of these women that qualified are, I mean, honestly, if you take out, you know, obviously Becky, Becky Charlotte, and uh, Rhonda, if you're still considering her in the women's division, the three baddest women in the women's division, who do you think – well, actually, instead of who do you think is most suited for, who do you think needs the briefcase out of those three? Out of those three – I think if we're talking about need, quite honestly, I would think Nia Jax would need it, uh, especially, you know, she's just coming back. Um, I uh, Honestly, Nia looks great, too. It looks like, you know, she'd been working. She does look a little slimmer. Um, she added a little extra oomph on her Samoan drop, which I dug. Um, I think that Nia needs it most. Shayna doesn't really need it. She's got enough... Um, heat on her and um, one of the gentlemen in the group had wanted Becky to lose at Wrestlemania to kind of give Becky that edge you know back for her which you and I say that pretty much only Ronda pulls out of her I think that this is they're actually pulling that storyline with Shayna how she actually got a shot didn't work out, but she's pissed and wants to come back. So I don't necessarily feel that she needs the briefcase. I honestly feel that it would probably be best if it were Naya, even have Naya and Becky gone at it. They definitely haven't gone at it in terms of the title pick. No, that, that, that's still out there. They haven't fought since the broken nose. And I've been sort of surprised that WWE has set, on what arguably would probably be something that got the wrestling world talking outside of a Ronda feud more than any other, which is her and Nia Jax, because there's a belief, mm-hmm. real or fake, that there's personal bad blood between the two. That would make sense, and that would even push what I was just saying even further along. They already have a uh, built-in storyline, as into there's, you know, still... Uh, Becky wants a little redemption for breaking her nose. Because I personally would rather give Oscar the briefcase, only because I think if you look at the history of the Money in the Bank, typically, you know, the the and I don't want to call because she's a woman, but you know, like the Beast, the Bruiser type performers have not worked out very well as Money in the Bank. Jack Swagger was a miss. Kane was a miss. So I think if Nia Jax gets the title, just have her beat, you know, and win the title, whether by cheating or other affairs. Mm. I think by giving it to Asuka, especially with the title picture right now, it would be pretty cool to have Asuka having the ability to go, I believe, on either show. I think they are still just doing one of each. And, you know, she could go after Charlotte in NXT. She could go after Becky on Raw, or she could go after Bailey or Sasha on SmackDown, and she has history with almost all of those women. And I just think that they've mishandled Asuka, and she is the most 
like underrated talented performer in WWE's women division. And by giving her the briefcase, we know she's going to get a title run and it might be the way to kickstart her back and get back all the time. That I feel like they've lost by some really weird booking decisions early in her WWE run. I can totally get behind that. You know that I am a very big fan of Asuka. I'm loving the fact that She's taken uh, the crumbles of what they did because um, when they first put her and uh, Kyrie together, even though I love both performers, I was like the Kabuki Warriors. I, I wasn't really digging it or feeling it. And I honestly didn't even think that she had needed to use the mist, which I'm glad they kind of started, they got away from, but they used the makeup to kind of keep it that you never know when I could drop it. That's the way it is, exactly. which I feel that should be used. And huge fan of Asuka. So uh, don't get me wrong. I would love it if Asuka were to get the money in the title, uh, the money in the bank, because I remember when she had won that title, I was marking out pretty huge for her. But, you know, to get to what I was saying about the match, I mean, when you got those three just, you know, guaranteed in there, I'm pretty sure Sasha, uh, I don't think she's officially in yet, but I believe she will get in. I mean, that's, that's going to be, a, like, I think maybe the best women's money in the ladder or money in the bank ladder match we've had if they don't get too corny or overdo the theatrics getting up to the top. Uh, there wasn't mm-hmm. really a lot of other interesting stuff on Raw, in my opinion, but the main event was fantastic. Drew McIntyre accepted Andre, uh, Andrade's challenge from earlier in the night. Uh, this was a really nice callback for WWE because they don't do enough of this, and I like to see it both here and with the Wyatt and Strowman storyline. You know, so many times they act like they forget about past, you know, encounters between guys, and it was Andrade who actually injured Drew McIntyre when he was going to get called up to the, the A show at the time when NXT really was, you know, a lower division and have a weekly show. And he missed four months because of that. So for them to discuss that and then go out and have a great match in which Drew eventually won. Uh, and then, of course, the, the big news was he was attacked by Seth Rollins afterwards. Just like I said with the Bray Wyatt for Strowman last week, this is the absolute right move. If you're going to get Drew McIntyre over, he's going to have to continue to beat big names. We've got to make him somebody And honestly, on Raw, after Lesnar, there is nobody, in my opinion, other than Rollins. He's really good with this Messiah character. Are you excited about the Rollins-McIntyre feud, or do you think they should have gone in a different direction? No, actually, this one I'm quite on board with. Um, Seth's little uh, mini promos, the the two that he cut before the uh, two or three that he cut before attacking Drew – uh, was kind of nice. Um, I like the fact that we were talking about th- that uh, Seth can take that uh, his loss from WrestleMania, and, and it doesn't mean anything at all. Like you said, exactly. outside of um, outside of Brock, there really isn't there isn't a bigger bigger name. You know, he called himself and rightly so, Mister Monday Night Rollins for a while because it was the absolute truth. So I love exactly what they're doing with this. Um, continue to build up uh, Drew. That was a phenomenal match that him and Andrade put on, which was a great throwback. And yeah, you're very. I, I also agree with 
use the old storylines more often. Even if it's from other promotions, who cares? Let people remember the history that, that goes more into telling the story of what they're going to do in the future. So I'm absolutely digging it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this one's going to play out. Before we move on to Dynamite, I love Andrade. I worry he's not going to be anything more than he is because he either needs a heel magnet, like a Paul Heyman-type guy, and this is no offense to Selena, but she's not getting it done. He's such a great worker in the ring, and I just worry this guy's going to end up like a a Cesaro 2.0 where – or even Adolph Ziggler, uh, where, you know, great seller, great worker, but he's just too bland to really get over. Do you have the same concerns? A little bit, but what I am going to – I'm going to keep that on pause for just a moment, seeing that now he is the head man of a new faction, now that Zelina is starting to get a little stable going, now that she's got uh, Tony Garza and Austin Theory. So, you know, I mean, those three guys aren't going to really shake it up. But if you look at them, you know, they're all young. They're, they all have the look, the build of that, that Vince likes or whatever. So I'm actually going to hold on that because I feel that let's see what they do with this. Maybe if they make Andrade more of a leader, that would be fantastic. Um, I, I'm wondering when they're going to allow him to actually just start speaking English, though, because we know he does. <laughs> so there's two. We'll go with Keith. We'll call this Keith Fleming's booking corner. And there's basically two ways I feel like they can get Andrade over. Either A, is you bring out the, him and Charlotte are together. You make that public. I mean, it is anyway, but I'm talking about actually in the show. Uh, and then you could have the, you know, the flair name, pulling strings, getting him opportunities don't deserve. I think that's one way. The other is, and this would take a little time, but I would actually use Ray Mysterio with those guys. Make him come in, basically get in. I don't think you need to turn him heel. You actually turn all those guys' face, and then Ray starts getting a lot of love, attention, and then you have Andrade turn on him, hopefully as he starts to get over, very similar to what they did with The Rock, which I still think is one of the underrated WWE moves ever. I'll never forget it when The Rock was as over as anybody could ever be. And they then turned the corporate face rock. Only yes. that, that survived. Yes, and it was brilliant. And it, it's, it's because of that storyline he became like truly the like you know top five superstar that he is, and they just again you're gonna have to get creative to get somebody like this over because I think he has the ability in the ring and as a performer to be that, but he's gonna need a lot of help because as you're saying he can't really speak English. Mm. Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Charlotte's bilingual, but just assuming that him dating Charlotte, I just assume that he's got to be speaking some kind of English, yeah? Uh, maybe it's just... Well, that, that, from, what, from what I understand, because my wife, you know, she's more into this kind of, you know, the off-the-wrestling stuff than she is the actual in the ring. They both, apparently, when they first started dating, didn't really speak a lick of each other's language, which is pretty amazing. She's learning Spanish, he's learning English, uh, but neither of them are what you would call, like, proficient uh, at it, which... 
is, you know, pretty amazing if you think about it. So uh, let's move on to AEW Dynamite. We talked about Lance Archer last week. He's coming over from New Japan. I'm really excited about this guy. He won a uh, an okay match in the TV title tournament over Colt Cabana. Let's, let's skip over that because that was basically all of it. So we, we last week finally got a skit for this show. So let me give the little answer. And we're for doing it. it better than anybody else alive. If you need reminding why Chris Jericho is the best guy in the business right now, he had another just phenomenal week on commentary, bringing for me like memories of Bobby the Brain Heenan, who I think is the greatest heel commentator of all time. And like literally, because I've been watching a lot of old matches, if you would watch Heenan and then watch Jericho, it's so similar because they're either being funny, ridiculous, or actually making valid points. And that's so effective. You know what I'm saying? Because they're either making you laugh, saying something crazy and mean, or either they're saying something that you're like, no, he's, he's got a point there. Uh, and then the other thing I want to talk about with Jericho, the segment that they had with the bubbly bunch, they did basically a Brady bunch spoof with the bubbly bunch, even with the, the tic-tac-toe board with all their faces. It was great. It was the best segment of the week. I thought on any of the shows, I mean, Jericho still just throwing hundred mile an hour fastballs. What, what did you think of both of those? Absolutely brilliant. You know, um, I, I like that analogy with Bobby the Brain Heenan, especially um, when he used that pineapple Pete. Yes. <laughs> for, oh, I forgot what I forgot what my man's name is that he uses that for. We call him he pineapple needs to be Pete pineapple from, Pete. He just got, he made him pineapple Pete. Like if he's not pineapple Pete next week, right, something's wrong. Right. I don't even know what your name is. It's pineapple Pete now, and it reminded me of when. Um, Jake the Snake DDT'd Ricky Steamboat on the apron. And he's like, that's it, Steamboat. That's using your pineapple juice. Freaking amazing. Amazing stuff. It's like, I don't know what Chris Jericho did. Did he, like, did five years ago he made a deal with the devil or something? And he was like, but don't do it instantly (laughs) so that they'll know. Make it gradual. Because you'll notice, is you know he left WWE, he went off to Japan and you know other indie promotions laid low. He got to do his thing on his own terms, got to jump from promotion to promotion, and then is one of the vice presidents of what I feel is going to be the most exciting company heading into the future. And, and um, I feel comfortable with sitting by that statement. You know, AEW is going to be amazing. And Chris Jericho, it seems like anything he imagines and pitches to his people, it's just pure gold right now. It was really great. If you have not had a chance, the go to the AEW Dynamite. I know Twitter or Facebook page, they have the Bubbly Bunch video package. Like, you will... Uh, be entertained. It's like six minutes long. It's great. I thought Jack Hager, all the guys were great in. And that's what I love. Jericho, of course, makes oh, yeah, the was perfect. <laughs> Airbus, exactly. Uh, and then the, the AEW Dynamite show ended with, I thought, I think the best match I've seen since we've gone to taping, no audience. It was John Moxley defeated Jack Hager in a brutal 
empty arena match. They didn't have it at the empty arena that they had the other shows with the performers there. It was actually a bigger arena. Just those two guys, the ref and obviously the cameraman, it was a fantastic performance. And I thought they did a great job. I actually thought Jack Hager was going to win several different times. And, of course, Moxley ended up overcoming at the end. I thought they both looked great. And this is going to be a fun run with John Moxley as champion. And Jack Hager has kind of found his niche. Uh, Jack Swagger had his moments, but I could see Jake Hager actually really, truly getting over. I really enjoyed the match for the most part. But um, I, I have to tell you, I, I got thrown off by because you know I was really enjoying the match, and at first I, I thought I, I was crazy, and then I realized I wasn't. It was Jim Ross commentating. Now we know right. Jim has been away, so and you know I, I, I don't do this often, but shout out to the Faction Show because they pretty much pulled the thought out of my brain. This one, they've been sitting on a minute. And, like, we understand that they're doing tape shows and such. The thing I don't like about it is that they killed the continuity by putting JR in there since they've been replacing him. And that was the thing that kind of made it fall short to me. Other than that, you're right. The performance in the ring was was a great match. And um, uh, another little nuance that I feel AEW does need to work on, and, and you notice it with both Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone on commentary, especially Jim, because he's such a stickler to the rules. He'll talk about how they bend the rules because uh, if I'm not mistaken, this was a a Chicago street fight, correct? Yeah. Yes. And a Chicago. I know you're talking about like breaking holds and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there, you don't need any five counts. There's no disqualifications. And if I'm not mistaken, I thought the match could end anywhere and doesn't necessarily have to end in the ring. And they made it so that it had to end in the ring. So it's those kind of little nuances that kind of tickled me about the the full performance. Other than that, I mean, the the match itself, the the Hager and Moxley, uh, what they've got going is pretty great. And I love that the fact that it, it took something a little more than normal, but it didn't take something supremely over the top to kill the match. I agree. Uh, and for the people that said that John Moxley, Dean Ambrose was, you know, the most talented shield guy, you know, for a long time, I was like, man, these people are smoking something good because I just don't see it. I didn't think he was the best in the ring, which I still don't think he's the best, like, with the move set and stuff, but his talking is out of this world, and it's one of the biggest mistakes WWE has made. And I can't remember how long to not let him be himself on the mic because, I mean, he's just so good on the mic. The thing I really loved, though, about this match was the groans and, and just how injured he looked. And, like, he sells as well as anybody. Mm. And there's very few guys his size that do that and look so realistic. But, I mean, when Hager took those two chair shots to the ribs, like, it actually made me kind of flinch because of the way Ambrose reacted. You know what I mean? Because it just – he looked like he was Mm -hmm. in so much pain. 
And I just I always got to give kudos to a guy when they can do that because a lot of times it looks ridiculous. You know, it looks like overacting. They're just screaming and writhing. But he just does a really good job to make it look like he's legit, like, oh, my God, I think I just broke a rib. Yeah, no, that I can completely concur with. They they really played it great, and both guys for that matter, because, um, you know, when they would be uh, – when Hager was putting him in his uh, – head and arm triangle, you can, you know, you can love the way that you can see he's trying to fake falling out, didn't like the rope break, but whatever, but they they did phenomenal, they, they really do do a phenomenal job at, you know, they don't have to oversell the chop, you hear the slap, you see the red mark on the chest, all they have to do is just slightly look like, you know, their, their chest is caved in, and that's it, they don't have to do the whole, ah, oh, ah, yeah, and and that goes and that's organization wide because I I really haven't seen anything too terrible. I just also love the physicality of it. Um, they've done a really good job in AEW of what I thought was WCW strength in their heyday of you could like you know the big guys beating the hell out of each other. We got that. You could like the smaller guys flying all over the ring. We got that. We got, you know, the women's matches. They got storylines. They're doing a really good job of giving an all-around product to not just, you know, one subsection of wrestling fans. And, I mean, I just think about the Omega and Moxley match from their first pay-per-view, which was, I mean, like, I was swore I was watching a Mick Foley match from, like, the late 90s. Uh, they're not afraid. The brutality. To, you know, Exactly, and and just really change up the style of their matches, and and that's what makes great performers because not every match Moxley has needs to be like this. But I thought it was really great that this one was because I thought they made Hager look like a million bucks. I did. I really loved this match. It reminded me so much of the Rock and Mick Foley uh, match in the empty stadium. It also kind of reminded me a little bit of Stone Cold and Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13, which I know people are going to say is blasphemous, hmm. but. I mean, it was that kind of physicality throughout where two guys were just beating the hell out of each other. And, I, and, you know, both were selling, and it was great. So let's move over to SmackDown. Strowman, uh, Braun Strowman, the champion, started out on uh, Alexa Bliss's Moment of Bliss. They, you know, did cute little, you know, chit-chat. And I, I think they missed a boat a while back in the mixed tag of making them a couple. I, I think it would have made all the sense in the world when Alexa was on top of the women's division to have Braun be her muscle. but. Anyway, I'm don't let me get sidetracked. When a box showed up in the I agree corner, with that. Braun, it's it's sometimes it's too easy. I swear, but anyway, there was a box <laughs> in the corner. Uh, Braun saw it, thought it was from Alexa. He opens it. Of course, it's the black sheet mats from his time in the Wyatt family. I thought Braun did a really good job. Not not just in the promo because he was very overconfident. You know, I don't want to say overconfident, confident in the beginning of it, and then when he pulled the mask out, you could tell it spooked him, like it really did. Mm -hmm. Even in the way he spoke at the end where he's saying he wasn't scared of him, his tone changed, his his facial expressions changed, and they're letting the mind games, uh, you know, begin. And I said last week, I'm, I'm really excited about this segment or this feud. Or do you still feel the same way after this segment? Absolutely. Just pour a couple of – couple of more douses of gasoline onto the fire for this one. I'm very <laughs> excited with what they're doing. You're very right. Braun played that perfectly well. 
happy champion on top of the world. Oh, ladies, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And just completely threw them off. Um, Braun Schumann's just been doing so fantastic lately. I'm not going to try to keep this under 30 seconds. Absolutely loved what he did, though. Um, the fact that they actually brought the black mask back out and you saw the change in his demeanor and the way he spoke – it's it's selling a great story, and hopefully they continue to build it up. I mean, we've got another what three weeks, four weeks until Money in the Bank. So and they've already announced I'm that to- uh, next. No, go ahead, Ronald. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, totally excited about this one. They're 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 building it up great. Because they announced next week that they're going to do a, uh, I guess, a segment, which is the entire history between Braun and Bray, because obviously there's a long one. I think that's a good next move with it. I'm sure there will be some Firefly Funhouse-type messing with that, and I just, I am, I'm very excited about that. Uh, Next, Tamina defeated Sasha with some help from Lacey Evans. The big thing is this secures her win. Uh, for a one-on-one title match with Bailey, we've discussed this a lot lately. So let me just ask you this: Is there any chance that Tamina wins the belt, or is this just all about moving Sasha and Bailey explosion closer together? I'm hoping it's about the latter. The way that it, it went down this past weekend, they are kind of setting it up that they're giving a glimmer of hope that could actually put Tamina. Uh, with the title, um, I personally don't wouldn't understand that move, but it, you know, wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong and or disappointed. I, I just really feel that it's going to be where something happens. Maybe Lacey comes out during the Money in the Bank or whatever the case may be, and um, I, I don't know. Quite honestly, I'm, I'm trying to construct it. I really don't know. I, I just. I really hope that they just continue to push the, the Sasha Bailey thing because this thing has come to a boiling point. And now putting ancillary stories around it is kind of getting me, you know, a little jumpy. The only thing I could figure is if they're going to give Tamina the belt, it's because what we've talked about, Sasha and Bailey don't need it. They don't. Uh, I mean, I think it would help at this point because they've waited so long, but they don't have to have it. And if you're going to have a face win the money in the bank, which they might, uh, you know, they're probably not going to cash in on Becky. I probably don't see them going down to NXT. I don't think you want to have both your Royal Rumble winner and your money in the bank winner go after the NXT women's title because then there really is going to be the stigma. Wait a minute, is NXT's division the best or is it the easiest? And that's why they're trying to go down there. But other than that, they're backing themselves in the corner. And like with you, that's why I'm having a hard time figuring out, okay, how are they going to get to this conclusion without Tamina winning? Because you would think they're setting up to where one of them, you know, like Sasha would either have to cost Bailey or hinder Bailey in the match. I, I just am a little confused. In uh, the Money in the Bank women's side, Dana Brooke and what I thought was a huge upset over Naomi won her way into the women's Money in the bank match. I'm a little disappointed that Naomi is the, you know, the recipient of this loss uh, because she's so great in almost everything she does. And I think honestly underutilized, but I am happy that they're giving Dana Brooke a chance and a little momentum here. And, you know, to be honest, Naomi's had a lot more chances in these type matches than Dana Brooke has. 
Were you surprised that Dana Brooke won this match? Totally. Totally taken aback. I mean, I was the one who had called uh, for Naomi to come out of um, Mania with the, with the title, and for her to turn around and not even qualify for the money in the bank was definitely a big surprise to me. Um, good on Dana. Um, I, I know that she's been trying to get herself in positions and she has, you know, gotten herself opportunities where, you know, only to get steamrolled uh, only months prior, but, you know, you could tell that she's been working hard at it. So, you know, give her a shot. She's, she's got a great skill set and, you know, she's a strong chick. So I, I give her a shot. Uh, we won't discuss this one, but just Daniel Bryan defeated Cesaro to earn his way in the man's money in the bank match. Uh, the only thing I will say on that is it scares me when he gets in these matches. I don't know why Daniel Bryan is being put in a ladder match with his health conditions. That makes no sense to me, but it was a great match, obviously, with those two guys. This is what I really wanted to talk about. Sonya Deville addressed the Mandy Rose, Otis, Dolph Ziggler storyline that's been going on for now months, and I felt like she gave a star-making promo. Uh, it was arguably the best promo I've heard since they've gone to taping this stuff. I guess maybe you could say Edges was better, but definitely on the women's side, there was passion in it. Uh, she, like, literally grabbed my attention. I was watching, kind of half-watching, because I, I just I don't have a lot of faith in Sonya as a talker. And about a minute into it, I was like, holy cow, like, this kind of reminds me of, like, Shawn Michaels when he broke up with the Rockers or something like that, where it was, like, somebody I had not really noticed before, and all of a sudden they were standing out. Were you impressed with this promo, and do you think they're going to use this as a springboard, a springboard for her? Um, for her career, I hope so. Um, it was an impressive promo. Um, I'm not certain if I would put it on that level of the Shawn Michaels, but it was something where she is trying to draw um, eyes to herself, you know, I mean, and using the story, of course. But um, I, I thought that she went out there and performed quite well. Um, I, I'm a, a little, you know, considering the, the whole love triangle thing that was associated with this, I, I am a little bit invested to see where they take this because um, they can, you know, have Mandy and Sonya feud for a good month to two months. And, that, you know, they could probably take this one all the way into SummerSlam and probably put up a decent match. I agree. I do want to say, though, like, and I understand what you're saying about the Shawn Michaels thing, but you got to remember that when, when these promos happen, Shawn Michaels was a we never know. He was a guy who had been in the exactly. He had been in the Rockers. He didn't talk, and I mean, literally, that barber shop was one of the first times he spoke for an extended period of time, other than just those little you know cheesy promos that him and Janetti would do together. And I felt it was a lot (laughs) like that with Sonya here. That this was the first time I really heard her like speak, and I just love the fact that she said, you know. This has been building up me forever. You know, my face has been blurred out and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're the golden goddess, for God's sakes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Don't tell me about attention and being wronged. And I, I really did. I was really impressed with it. And I hope they push her because she can actually go in the ring, too. She uh, can. And then the final, the final thing that uh, we'll discuss, and they surprised me. I believe you called this on the last podcast, but I'm not sure. Biggie won the rematch of the triple threat 
individual for the tag team title, uh, SmackDown tag team titles, uh, with The Miz and Jey Uso. This is the eighth title reign for the New Day. I believe only the Dudleys have more. I know that moved them into second. I can't remember who they said the first place one was. You are uh, correct. I was shocked about this. Did, did, well, did you say last week you, you could see New Day winning this week? I did. I did. That's what I thought. And, you know, this will, this will, be, a, and this will be, of course, a great segue into uh, them and the Usos. They'll get in there. They'll burn it down. Um, I'm wondering, since they showed, you know, a clip of Xavier uh, celebrating from home, uh, how far we are in getting him back and, you know, getting New Day to full strength and, and what they're going to do with him if they'll still have the titles at the time. But, of course, you know, right now, them and the Usos, they can burn it up. So absolutely prepare for that. And I was reminded again in this match, Big E should be a single star. And I will admit mm. that after I said that about Kofi and Big E a while ago, I did more research. They seem to want to be in a group. So they may be given, you know, discussions and opportunities and saying, nah, I'm good because I will admit I'm sure they're one of the higher – uh, grocers, at least in revenue from, you know, merchandise. They have so much merchandise. So maybe, you know, financially and they, you know, are basically best friends. So they're getting to do something they love with the people they love and make a lot of money. But I just think Big E could be such a star. I mean, just even before the match, it's an empty audience and he is rubbing his junk at the camera. And it's just, he cracks me up. I think he would be great as a heel or a face. And I think he's really good in the ring. And I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I loved him in NXT when he did his, you know, five count. He was so, you know, dominating. He wouldn't pin you for a three count. He'd pin you for a five count. Uh, the I, I oldie King Kong Bundy. That right. Yeah, no, I can I could totally dig that. And I still don't understand why they still just can't. I mean, you know, maybe once Xavier comes back, why can't Biggie be uh, an intercontinental or a US champion? You know, he, I totally uh like you believe he has the skill set. The man can go as a big man. I mean, you look at the dude, he's like 270 pounds of just like I would not face that. And yet he's very agile, but yet, you know, shows his strength off at the same time. I really don't know why they haven't pushed it more. I also think that if you have Kofi, I mean, Big E turning on Kofi would make him a made man. I mean, that's the kind of turn because it would be, it would be very similar to Seth Rollins, honestly, where, like, he turned on mm -hmm. his brothers for this long. And I actually would probably take, you know, both Big E and Austin with him. So that way, you know, Big E has a mouthpiece. Because I think we can all agree is maybe maybe his one lacking thing is he's kind of only got one gear as a talker. Uh, and then you have both of them kind of turning on Kofi. You know, maybe they'll use this for it. I don't know if they have goals to have them break the tag team title. But I think they already hold right the longest tag team title reign. I was surprised mm -hmm. that they won it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not. Um, but like you said, maybe um, because of uh, bringing in such money that they kind of 
get to call a little bit more of the shots as to what they want to do in terms of uh, personal liberties. All right, one more thing before I get out of here, because I actually missed this, and I'm a little intrigued by it. I don't know what they're doing with Sheamus. He has returned on SmackDown. They had him knock off an NXT guy, which don't take this the wrong way, NXT guys. It, it made it look like a, you know, a jobber, where basically he had this quick match. He won. I don't think they need to do that with Sheamus. I mean, he's a world champion. Sheamus is... I mean, Seamus is Seamus. He, he's the guy that beat Daniel Bryan in 20 seconds. He, he beat John Cena for the world title, I think, within his first year in the business. He's won the money in the bank. He's won the Royal Rumble. I mean, this guy has – he's done it Isn't all. Isn't he a Grand Slam champion? Him. I believe so. I mean, you don't have to reintroduce he, him. The promo, though, did intrigue me. Did you get to see that – or not even a promo, but where he lit into Michael Cole about basically – immediately moving on from him and wanting to do the Jeff Hardy promo. Are they trying to build something here? Or is that just leading to a Seamus versus Hardy feud when Jeff comes back? Quite honestly, I don't know. Um, And I also agree with you. You know, when we had heard the rumblings of Seamus coming back, it made me wonder, like, I mean, you could always – I'm still wondering why. I mean, maybe it is because they're starting to get uh, tag-heavy that they didn't uh, reassemble the bar. Oh, that's right. They were drafted to two different places, so I'm sorry about that. Um, no, they're back together. You're right. They're back. They're both on SmackDown, so they could do that. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So I, I don't know why they didn't put the bar back together. I really loved what they had did. Um, you're right. Um Quick sidebar, just to go back to Cesaro for yeah, two seconds. Um, he's a fantastic wrestler. And a matter of fact, shout out to my homeboy, uh, Ron Betty, because he was just saying how he feels Cesaro is probably one of the uh, most underrated wrestlers. And he says that to me only two days before sharing a tweet that Chris Jericho says Cesaro is probably one of the best wrestlers on the planet. So highly underutilizing Cesaro, but we spoke about this. And even more so with his uh, former tag team partner. I don't know what they're doing with Sheamus, and Sheamus deserves more. I just hope they have a plan because I we talked about you know the differences sometimes in TNA or TNA and AEW and WWE, and this is one of them. Is WWE gets into these like same old same old storylines, reintroductions, and it's like I am tired of the you know typically big guy coming back, running through a bunch of people you've literally never heard of, and then it's not going to go anywhere anywhere. So you, you pick up on this, and you're just not in, you know, invested. Uh, the only other thing I will say is I totally agree about Cesaro being the best wrestler or one of the best wrestlers on the planet, but he is where he is because he just can't get over. The same concerns that I have about Andrade, I just think that, Cesaro, like Ziggler and a lot of those other guys, boy, if they could talk, like really talk, if they could get the right guys the mm-hmm. limit. But they just, they just can't. I mean, I just don't think he has the ability because he's had some pretty. Like, they've had, made some good attempts. The, uh, the the Bond figure was honestly probably my favorite of his, and even with that, it just didn't really work. And you know, the bar has been the biggest thing he's he's had, at least with the crowd, and I actually agree with you. I didn't even think about that with them both being on the same show, that why not put them together and just load up 
the SmackDown tag team division, and I mean, just let them go. I, I really don't understand. I mean, and that that is that that another gimme, another gimme. I mean, you you put Cesaro in, and he's the only person in the current faction that he's in that did not get to touch uh, a singles gold. So, please, please help this man. He's been out there for the last few years, just going and going, doing whatever stories that you could could do with him. Can, can we get that man a push? Um, and I'm, you know, hoping that we get something other than Sami Zayn being his mouthpiece. I agree. So we're going to end the wrestling part there. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, before I do, I would be remiss if we actually uh, completed this wrestling show without saying rest in peace to the voice of our childhood, Howard Finkel. Oh, God, yeah, um, thank you. I Cannot wait to get to heaven. My announcement, if I make it, Lord, please, <laughs> my announcement walking into those gates are going to be lit as, oh, can't use the word I was about to use. They're going to be great. Howard Finkel, thank you so much for everything that you So you want, you want to hear it. And uh, still gives me, still gives me chills. Still gives me chills, and nobody does it like him. Like I don't get the chills from anybody else. I watch, I watch uh, MMA, and especially UFC. Bruce Buffer is an animated announcer, and when somebody I like wins a new championship, I'm excited. But he, when he says that and new, it doesn't hit me like like think it's you right in the right in the butt, and it just goes right up your spine. Just thank you for everything, Howard Finkel. And, to and plug if you want to say course, real quick before we get through the plug, real quick, I just want to add one more thing. Yeah, no, you're good. Please, uh, I, I'm right there with you. Like it, it hit me really hard because I mean, this was the guy that was the voice of, you know, something I really cared about. You know, when I was young, and you know how those memories stick with you. Uh, if you want to see something cool, WWE posted several videos on their Twitter. I'm assuming it's on their Facebook with some of his most iconic, uh, you know, and new. Uh, champions, and I mean, it was crazy. I forgot how long he did it. Uh, and I also just want to thank CM Punk, who in 2000, I don't know if it was 11 or 12, actually pushed to get Howard Fink to introduce him for his match when he won the belt against Del Rio at, I believe it was Survivor Series, and he got that and new from Howard uh, Fink. It was the last time uh, he did that in the WWE. Awesome. It had been years since he had, so I, I really... I, I do. Sam Punk can be sometimes a lot, but I think he really does care about the people in the business. And it was just a really cool move. If you get a chance, go back and watch it. That's a great pay-per-view. That's also the one where Rock and Cena fought. Actually, it's a tag team versus uh, The Miz and R-Truth. I watched it with my wife uh, just a few days ago. It was great. Awesome. I might actually have to go back and look that one up. But, um, yeah, I mean, we could spend the next 10 now minutes go ahead and plug yourself going up. on. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Um, um, listen, 2020, we're listen, looking to help 20,000 people into new homes and get their uh, financial affairs in order. If you want to get your credit in order, get at me, Ronell Tinsley, on Facebook and Instagram. And you, you definitely should do that. Again, uh, please be sure to check out the IB Sports Facebook group, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Also, if you listen to this podcast, uh, Alan and RC 
Alan, who is my co-host from uh, the Gambling Podcast, the Backdoor Cover, which is taking a hiatus because there's not anything to gamble on, and RC, who is the Vince McMahon of Ivy Sports. They are doing some weekly top five uh, at each position for the NFL Draft Podcast on this podcast feed. They're fantastic. I've actually listened to all of them, but the most recent one, you should check them out. And uh, we will be back. We will let you guys know if we're going to start doing uh, once a week or twice a week. I think we're going to move to two times at least during sort of the shutdown, stay-at-home order because we have a little bit more extra time and also we can keep them condensed, even though we almost kept this one under an hour. But uh, for Ron L. Tinsley, for your host, Ron L. Tinsley, Keith Fleming, Uh, I think it would only be fitting to end this Team Turnbuckle podcast on a week where Vince McMahon did Vince McMahon uh, things with uh, this song. And we'll see you next week, guys.